Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. People are shocked at times whenever I share with them that not, minute, not one minute of one day, of one week, of one month, of one year in my entire lifetime have I never, ever, ever not felt God's love. I want you to understand there's not one time in my life that I have ever felt unforgiven by God. There's not one time in my life that I have ever felt unaccepted by God. I've always felt loved unconditionally. I've always felt accepted by God. I've always known that I was forgiven because of the cross. But I understand not all of us feel that way. And I understand that I, I understand that you might be here today and go, yes, I'm one of those shocked people. I don't believe you, but I'm telling you the truth. That is the truth. And it's not because I've lived some fantastic, great life or anything like that. There is stuff that if you, if we brought it up today, we brought it before you and, and you saw some of the carnage of my life, some of the carnage of my thought, I would just be mortified. But even in the midst of my lowest of my lowest of my lowest times, I want you to know I knew God loved me. I knew God accepted me. And I knew that, that uh, he had forgiven me. And everything that he just said, I was the opposite. There we go. So that, <laughs> thus, that's why both of us are preaching today, all right? It's going to be good. You know, my sophomore year in college, I was at one of my lowest times in my life. It was a very difficult time for me. I had made a lot of choices that were not right, gotten with a lot of people that were not right for me, doing a lot of things that were wrong that, honestly, I'd be ashamed of right now. The end of the semester, that fall semester, I knew that I had kind of hit rock bottom for me. The only place for me to look was up, and everybody had already... It was after finals. Everybody had already gone, and I was there. I had a six-hour drive, so I waited for the morning. And I remember being in a park all by myself, pitch dark, living a life. I had lived a life that semester that was hellish, and it was, wasn't right. I'd flunked a course. I had to go home and tell my dad. I just knew these things were just not right in my life. For the first time in my life, I'd begin to feel insecure. You know, try, it, it was just it was a, the worst time in my life. And I remember sitting on the park bench, looking up at the stars. And I, and I remember this was a come to Jesus moment. And I, said, I began to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been wrong. I've been living wrong. And I remember closing my eyes right there and began to cry. And the Lord did not give me a picture of the father in a white robe coming to grab my hand, although that's a great one, all right? Even better one to me is I didn't see a picture of Jesus dying on the cross and his blood being poured for me. I had a picture of my earthly father. God gave me a vision of my earthly father. And I began to think about my dad. And I began to think about how godly he was. How he's a man of God, a man of honor, a man of integrity. And I began to go, I am so not like that. And I remember crying out to the Lord, Lord, I know I can never be like my dad. But if there's a chance, could you just put me on the same path? Could you just put me on the same track? And I remember that night, God touched me. 
God touched me. He be, and, and, and my life has never been the same since. And I think it's really interesting that of you, a picture of my earthly father was able to be able to bring forth freedom in my life, wholeness in my life, and healing in my life. You know, the, the reason I've never doubted my heavenly father's love is because I've never doubted my earthly father's love. You know, I have to say that, Steve, I probably married the most, to help, most emotionally healthy person. Yeah, just see. I'm healthy. <laughs> Very healthy most individual. emotionally healthy person that I've ever known. He's full of joy. And I'm so glad that he's always had an understanding of the Father's love. But I was not like that. And I know that many of you have not experienced that either. You know, I was very blessed to be raised in a Christian home. And I went to church multiple times every week. I learned to tithe and give my offerings. And even as a little child, I would read my Bible stories before I would go to bed. I went to a Christian college. I mean, for heaven's sakes, I married a pastor. You think that would have solved things in my life? It should, right? <laughs> I don't. What'd you do wrong? <laughs> I don't know what happened there. But you know, I, you know, I served alongside him the whole time. I sang on the worship team. I led Bible studies. I led the women's ministry. I did everything, and I always knew by faith that God loved me. But it really never went from my head to my heart. That's good. And because of that, I struggled for so many years. I struggled with so many things. I struggled with insecurity, with rejection, with abandonment, with shame, with feeling like I was just not worthy enough. Something was just wrong with me. I lacked confidence. I struggled with all kinds of fears. I struggled with an eating disorder. I struggled with depression. I mean, you may be getting depressed just hearing my list right here to now. Don't leave. <laughs> it gets better, I promise. It will, but I got to... It gotta, does. I bless my heart. I got to finish my, finish my list. You know, <laughs> I was a people pleaser. I... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, the performance. The exhausting performance. It was horrible. And I'm sure I could go on, but I think you get the picture. It sounds horrible and exhausting, and it absolutely was. And I'm sure that some of you can identify with at least something on my list. Or maybe you have some things that I haven't mentioned that are on your list. You know, the enemy always wants to twist the way we see God. He always tells us that we believe God loves us as long as we don't mess up. That's right. And then the minute we mess up, the enemy says, see, you're not good enough. Yep. God couldn't love someone as terrible as you. You know, it's just interesting when you just heard Steve and you talked about, he said how he did all of these things. He thought all of these things, things that he wouldn't want you to know about, but not ever, not ever once did he ever doubt the father's love. He was just so at peace with that love. And then you hear my list of all these things that I tried to do to please God, to do the right thing. And I still couldn't grasp the love of the father. And you know, maybe it could be your view of your heavenly father has affected your view because of your earthly father. Yeah. Maybe your view of him, your earthly father, affected that. Yeah. You know, my father struggled with anger, and he was a perfectionist. So for me, I was always sort of afraid that I was going to make God mad. And I tried so hard to do the right thing. You know, I know there are some people that have grown up in homes that the only time that you were ever valued 
validated is when you performed well. Mm. And so now you associate your performance with being loved mm. and accepted. Mm. And there's even people I know here that you grew up, you didn't even have a father in your home. A lot of people these days grow up without fathers. And, you know, you think about it. If you didn't have a father in your home, it might seem like, well, God's just not even interested in me. How could I possibly trust someone that wasn't even there for me? You know, maybe some painful things have happened in your life. How many times have we blamed God for something that's happened to us? Mm. I mean, how many times have we said, I cannot believe you let that happen to me? You could have stopped that, God. You're a big God. If you really love me, if you're really a loving God, why would you allow that to happen to me? I know I've thought those things. You know, I don't know why you might struggle with the love of the Father. Maybe something terrible did happen to you, and it just caused you to have this distorted view of God. Or maybe you believed the lies when Satan said, God doesn't love you. He's not there for you. He's not a good God. Or if he loves you, it's very conditional. It's all based on your performance. Well, today, it is our greatest heart's desire yeah. that the Holy Spirit reveal yes. to you yes. a revelation of the Father's love. We're believing that for sure. Mother Teresa says that the greatest disease of mankind is the absence of love. The greatest disease of mankind is the absence of love. You know, Lisa and I, and here at Church 1132, we truly believe, and I know you, you believe this as well, we believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of God to save a soul. We believe in the power of God to deliver a soul from darkness. We believe in the power of God to heal, to heal bodies and to heal hearts and souls. But when it comes right down to it, even though we believe in the power of God, if a person does not have a clear understanding and revelation of God the Father's love, that person will never walk in true victory. We can believe all day long. We can claim all day long. We can yell all day long. We can strive all day long. But the bottom line is, if we don't have a clear understanding and revelation of his love. We're not going to walk in victory. We're just not going to walk in victory. Will you turn with me to the book of 1 John? 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 will be our focal passage this morning. God showed how much he loved us. It's just real. The Bible is real simple. I mean, can we just stop right here? He showed us how much he loved us. Why don't we get it? I mean, all through Scripture, and we're going to give you all kind of Scripture, but let's get it today, all right? Let's just get our receiving ready, all right? Uh, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Can you say, this is real love? What kind of love is it? Real love. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. Today, Lisa and I want to share a message with you entitled Real Love. Real Love. Let me just say this. I have pretty much zero experience, okay? Zero experience personally of dealing with a distorted view of God's love. Just hadn't had to deal with it. 
I'm, I mean, I wish I could. I brought her up because she has, all right? And so, and so I haven't had that, but I do want you to know, I, we've been together. We've been married almost 30 years now. And I do want you to know that over those 30 years, I've become a student, okay? And have perfected the art of helping someone along the way understand the revelation of the love of the Father. Not only with my other half, my better half, but also over the years, there's been a mantle on me and on us to be able to impart the message of the love of the Father. Here's the deal. I don't have to have walked through it in order to have it, okay? I have it, and I want us to get it. Does that make sense? And so uh, we see in 1 John 4, 9, it, it talks about real love and and, and, and the Father's love is literally the foundation for all of our freedom, for all of our wholeness. So, between Lisa's victories and continued victories in her life in this area, and also my experience in helping people in this area, you know, I really believe that we can be an encouragement to you and help you today. Well, in order for us to really understand real love, we've got to be able to recognize Satan's counterfeited fitted love. It's fake. It looks real, but it's not. You know, I know many women have Louis Vuitton, maybe say Louis Vuitton purses. I do not have one of those. If you're tired Sorry. of yours, if you're tired of yours or hand-me-downs, I'm not too proud to take them. I'm just, I'm just kidding, sort of. No, serious, I'm kidding. But because I haven't studied those, you could come and you could place two purses in front of me. One could be fake and one could be real. Because I've never really looked at those, I wouldn't know the difference unless it was a really bad fake Louis Vuitton. Well, the enemy is so good at making what isn't real look real to That's us. So true. You know, we unknowingly accept the counterfeit. We will accept a counterfeit love. You know, if I'm going to get a Louis Vuitton purse, I don't want a fake. I don't want a counterfeit. I want the real deal. And I don't want the counterfeit love that the enemy offers us. I want the real, genuine love That's of it. the Father. You know, God's number one mission is revealing the Father's love. That's good. Satan's number one mission is counterfeiting That's the Father's good. love. You know, the devil has made the love of the Father a number one priority to deceive us because he knows that if he can get us to doubt or believe that God doesn't love us, that he can come in and he can steal and kill and destroy and he can have a victory in our lives because his counterfeited love always says, God loves me if. God loves me when. It's always performance-based. It's got conditions tied to it. He wants us to believe that our Heavenly Father is a mean, angry, aloof, uncaring, unresponsive, faraway God who's just waiting for us to mess up so he can just stomp on us. That's what he wants us to believe. He paints a picture of God that isn't real. And we cannot fully receive the love of the Father if we don't know what is real. So maybe you're wondering after hearing all this, why don't I have the love of the Father like Steve? Well, Pastor Steve, why don't you enlighten us on that? All right, we'll see, all right? Well, there's no doubt that 
it could be a thing to where we've grown up. Some of our conditions, maybe the lack of a father or the lack of the type of father. It could be there's pain in our life, as, me, as Lisa has mentioned. Could be we're kind of born with it. But I, want, I really don't want to get into the specifics on why you might not, okay? The, the, the nitty-gritty of why you might not have a clear understanding, revelation of the love of the Father. But I can tell you the main reason you don't is because Satan doesn't want you to have it. That's why he says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there's no doubt that Satan, as Lisa mentioned, his number one mission is to counterfeit God's love, to keep us from understanding his love. You know, I get my heart goes out to men and women, especially men and women who are going forward with God or passionate for God. And much of the time I'll see that there's a striving and, a, and, a, and, and not, there's not a rest. There's a restlessness, a striving, a, a trying to overcome and, you know, and working harder at pleasing God. And, 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 and this person, these people are on that path, but there's somehow some way that God just needs to come in and just give us rest and say, just, I love you, period. You don't have to perform for me. I love you, period. I love you, period, no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do. You know, it's interesting at Jesus' baptism, this is one of my favorite passages, when Jesus was baptized, and the Bible says he came up from the water, and we see in Luke chapter 3, it says, and a voice came from heaven. That's God the Father's voice came from heaven for, for the whole world to hear, okay? And he says this, you are my son. He's speaking of Jesus. You are my son. You're my child in whom I love and I'm well pleased. That's a statement that has been so powerful in my own life. Over years and years and years of praying over my children, they will hear, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you and I'm proud of you. You're my son. I love you and I'm proud of you. You're my daughter. I love you and I'm proud of you. And I want you to understand the Lord is saying it to you today. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're my child. I love you and I'm proud of you. The next passage, the Bible says that after his baptism, he went out and he, he was led into the wilderness uh, for a time of temptation. And there, 40 days, 40 nights, he was. He was uh, tempted as he's fasting and praying. And it clearly talks about three temptations that he received from Satan. And, and the first one, and all three are pretty similar. It says in, in Luke chapter 4, it says, The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to turn to bread. The next temptation says, If you are the son of God. The next temptation says, If you are the son of God. Okay, let's just rewind just a minute. What just happened, God the Father said what? You are my son. Now Satan immediately, the very first thing that he does, Satan says, if you are the son of God. He's bringing doubt to our sonship. He's bringing doubt that he's our father. Does that make sense? So immediately Satan has to jump in there and say, oh no, he can't get this. He can't get this message on the son, on being a daughter. I've got to immediately try to grab that from him. 
And so you've got to understand that Satan always aims at sonship. He always aims at our, at, at our child-father relationship with the Lord. This is his counterfeiting scheme. If we want to experience the real love, that, that, then let me just say this. We might not only know his counterfeiting love, but we need to understand God's demonstrated love. God demonstrated his love to us. He made it clear in scripture that he loves us. And we've got to grab a hold of this word. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And we want to grab a hold of the truth of the word of God. He sent his word to, to deliver them, to heal them and deliver them of all their destructions. So it's the word that delivers us from these destructions. It's the word that delivers us from this counterfeit love. And it comes by because he demonstrated his love. We see, first of all, he demonstrated his love to us on the cross. He demonstrated his love to us on the cross. Romans chapter 5, 8. What does it say? But God demonstrated. It's not hard. It's right there. Black and white on the right there. It says, but God demonstrated his love. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, when we were at our worst, he sent his best, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Our pastor, Terry Moore, at Sojourn, he says, The most profound truth of the cross is that it represents the awesome, incredible, perfect love of our Heavenly Father. Let me just say this. When you see a cross, that is a symbol of God's love to us. It's not just something we wear around our neck or we put on the church steeple. Let me just tell you something. The cross should be a message of love. Every time we see a cross, we should say, thank you, Lord. You've demonstrated your love for me. You know, he proves his love for us on the cross. You know, he wants you to know his love, not just in your mind, but he wants you to know his love in your heart. You know, as Steve was saying that, it just, it reminded me of how I had believed a lie so many times that, you know, if I would have been the only person here on this earth, Jesus would not have come and died just for me. Mm. And thank goodness that he'd already died so that I could jump on board and go to heaven. <laughs> I was just reminded, he was talking about how I mean, the enemy can twist something so amazing as the cross and let you think it wasn't even really for you. Yeah. I know that's just what came to my mind then. Hmm. So not only did he demonstrate his love by dying on the cross, but he made us his children. And Romans 8, 15, it says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Well, I was a fearful slave. Hmm. I was hmm. a fearful slave in so many ways. I love this passage that said how that perfect love from the Father cast out fear. I don't have to be a perfect slave. So if you go on, you're, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit. He adopted you yes. as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, which means Daddy. You know, I was adopted as a baby. So I just got curious. I thought... I'm going to look up the word adopted in the dictionary. And this is what I found. It says, to choose 
or to take at, as one's own, to accept, approve, embrace, endorse, select, and support. It's a deliberate act to, to adopt a child. And it's not easy. You can't just say, I want that child. It's a deliberate act. And God has chosen to deliberately call us, adopt us as his children. We are a child of God. 1 John 3, 1 says, What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God. Can we stop and just look at it? Children of God. Just look at it. Children Children of of God. God. Grab a hold of it. You know, Lisa Bevere says, you will never know who you are until you have a revelation of whose you are. So good. So regardless of what your earthly father was like, you have a perfect father. You're his child. He's adopted you. He's freed you from sin. He loves you perfectly. And he's chosen you. It's not for someone else. It's for you. And it just doesn't get any better than that. It's amazing. So good. If we want to experience the real love that God has for us, not only should we understand and see that he demonstrated his love for us, but we've got to receive it. His receptive love is the third point that we're finishing with today. We've got to receive the love. The word receptive means having the quality of receiving or taking it in. Willing to receive. You see, there needs to be a receiving on our part of the Father's love. He's demonstrated his love, but now we've got to receive his love. I'm not talking about salvation. Most of us here today, we've received his love for salvation to save us. But have we received a revelation of his love that the bottom line is no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we've been, he still loves us, period. There's no way that God's ever going to love you any more than he loves you right now. There's no way that God's ever going to love you any less than he loves you right now. You can't do anything to make him love you less. He is love, period. We've got to receive it. You know, we can miss this thing. There's a 12-inch gap from our head to our heart, and we can miss it. But we've got to ask the Lord to close the gap. We can't just know about his love. We're not taking an ACT test where we're checking off, yes, yes, on a scantron. God loves me. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. What does it mean to us tomorrow? What does it mean to us in the midst of our mire and muck? Do we know it? Is it bedrock? Is it something we stand on? We know he loves us. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 20. It's the final passage that we're going to be sharing today. And it's the greatest passage that I know on receiving the love of the Father. This is Paul and he's praying the prayer to the church in Ephesus. And he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power Together with all the saints. What do we want the power for? The power is to grasp 
this love, how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep the love of Christ is for us. Verse 19, and to know, to know this love that what surpasses understanding that you may be filled with the measure of all fullness of God. And one of our favorite verses that we quote a lot, but when it comes right down to it, the, it, it, it's in the passage of receiving, us receiving the love of Christ. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than we ask or even can imagine according to the power that works within Christ. Look at verse 19 very quickly. It says, and to know. This is not no. This is no. And it surpasses knowledge. I understand we want to have it all figured out in our minds. It's not, this is not something you get figured out in your mind. You grab a hold of the word as we've given you the word. But there's something that we have to submit. We have to release control. We have to somehow say, God, I cannot grasp this revelation. But I release myself to you, the Holy Spirit, to take your word and to fill my heart with it to know and it goes sometimes our mind can even work against us have you ever done that you start pressing into god and then your mind starts okay that's the enemy counterfeiting keeping you away from real love does that make sense somehow some way get out of the mind you ain't that smart our minds aren't that big compared to god somehow some way we've got to be able to pull back and ask, get in the presence of the Holy Spirit with the word and say, I receive it. This Tuesday night, we're going to have an opportunity. If this message is beginning to tug at you and you're connecting, you'll want to be here Tuesday night. We're going to take some extended time, okay, of really taking some time to receive the love of the Father. I want Lisa to share the last story and then we're going to pray with you. You know, many years ago, the Lord gave me a vision, and it was a revelation of the Father's love, and it was like a movie playing in this vision for me. And I was a child, and I was in this prison cell, and I was looking out the window, and I could see all of these children, and they were outside playing, and they were having so much fun, they were carefree, and I just longed to be out there with them. But I couldn't. I was stuck inside this prison cell. And then all of a sudden, the doors opened up. And I knew that I could walk out. But I was too afraid to walk. I was too afraid to go. You know, I desperately wanted out. And I had longed to be out. But the bondage had kept me there for so long that it was familiar. I knew God had unlocked the doors. But I was even a little bit afraid of God. And because I was too afraid to move, the Heavenly Father came into me, and he just simply took my hand, my tiny little hand, and he just began to tell me how much he loved me, how much I meant to him. And then he just began to reveal to me all of the bondage that I had been in. And I particularly remembered him talking about fear and perfectionism and performance. And then he went on to tell me that he was not the one 
that caused me to be in bondage. He didn't cause all that pain. He told me the enemy had placed me in that cell as a little child because of lies, because of circumstances, and because of pain. And he told me, he took my hand and he told me, we can walk out of here together and wherever you go, I'm going with you. And so I remember we walked down the hall and we walked outside and I felt the sun on my skin, the warmth of it, and it was like beauty, like I had never seen before. And I knew I was free and I knew God loved me. He never let go of my hand. And it, it may seem silly, but I still, even today, I picture him here standing with me and holding my hand. And over the years, there have been times when I've been afraid or something has happened. And I just simply picture my Heavenly Father, just like he took me, walked me hand in hand out of that cell. He's still here holding my hand. This is why I want to share this scripture with you. I love it so much. And it says, I just want you to personalize it where it says us just... I'm going to say me, but it says, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate me from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing and all creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I'm here to tell you today that the Father's love is real, and he wants to reveal that to you, even today. As I think about all the people who are watching online today, as I think about our Wiley congregation and all of us here today, honestly, my, my heart is just heavy. There is a heaviness that I'm carrying that I so desperately want to give and impart to you today. I know God wants to touch you. I know that. And my question to you today is, are you free? Do you know that you're forgiven? Not in your mind, but do you know it? Every sin you've ever committed, it's been washed in the blood of Jesus. Do you know that you are accepted by God? You're his child. You're his daughter. You're his son. I want you to understand God is here today. And he wants to touch you. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.